thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Okay, so great to see you. There's uh, great to be here this morning. And if you're new here, welcome. Uh, we go through some different series as we talk. The graphics, uh, the, the light's too blinding, Naomi, isn't it? We need, we need one of those LED screens so we can see the graphics that Naomi creates brilliantly for uh, our sermon series. But you'll notice it's called, if you can read it, Ecclesiastes, The Search. Throughout the year, we often look through either a character, a book, or even a theme. And this is a book, and it's a difficult book. But before we get to that, uh, one of the greatest children's book series of all times, what, what would you say? Beatrix Potter. Anyone over here? Famous Five. There's Jeff's lashings of ginger beer. <laughs> Sorry? The Mr. Men. Harry Potter. Oh, who said it? Harry. <laughs> That's all right. Harry Potter. What do you say, Sam? Roald Dahl. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, actually, I think one of the greatest book series of all time is a, a book you read and you get to the end and you just go, oh, there's Wally. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Where's Wally? Where's Wally? It's a brilliant series. There's over 75 million books sold. And if you're American, it's Where's Waldo? And apparently now everybody's got to say Where's Waldo because they changed it by all accounts. But Where's Wally? The fun of Where's Wally is in the search, would you agree? Yeah, a bit rubbish if you've just got a massive picture of Wally on every page. That wouldn't be a very good book. It wouldn't last very long. And actually, sometimes you can't find it, but the excitement is finding Wally and his little friends on every page, knowing that Wally is there, even if you can't always quite see him. You know, we used to do Hunt the Leader at camp. Anyone remember going to kids' camps and doing Hunt the Leader in the days where you could let kids roam, roam free and, and leaders dress up in bizarre outfits? I remember Hilly dressing as a nun, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I also remember Hilly and my mum serving ice cream in the local ice cream shop in Bonus. There you go. I also remember one guy who hid out in a cemetery all day in a kilt. Nobody found him. Are you surprised? What children are going to go rooting around the cemetery and be horrified and terrified for the rest of their lives? But anyway, but we have a series that we're going to start over the summer, and it's called The Search. It's looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. For those of you who don't know our Bibles very well, or for those of you who've never heard of it, it is one of the most difficult books in the Bible to read and understand. Great. <laughs> <laughs> we like a challenge, don't we? Um, but you know, one of the things it tells us is that majority of us ask the wrong questions. The majority of us will ask the wrong questions. We might ask, how can I achieve? How can I make money? How can I thrive? How can I get ahead? But the book of Ecclesiastes doesn't ask how. It asks why. It asks why. Why should I thrive? Why should I get ahead? Why? You know, science can answer many of the hows of this world. And I should know because I've got a chemistry degree. Now, I said, for those of you who have visited, I mention it occasionally. I've not mentioned it for a while. 
so I said I'll mention it. But science can answer many of the hows of this world, but you know, science will never answer the whys. It will never answer the why all the time. And you know, why is more important than how? Think about it. You know, how long till we get there? How long till we get there? Isn't as important as why are we going there in the first place? Yeah, would you agree? Number one in 1997 for quite some time was a song by Baz Luhrmann who then made Moulin Rouge and uh, Romeo and Juliet, the modern version of that. And uh, more recently, I think he's done something else, but I can't remember. Oh, I know, Elvis, that's right. Um, it featured just a man speaking and sharing advice from his life. And it was called, Wear Sunscreen. That was it. If you don't remember it. <laughs> Woo, wasn't me, honest. Okay, was that your guitar that knocked that over? Yeah, that's okay. We've not got something strange going on at the front of church. Okay, the main realisation and the conclusion at the start and end of that song was the thing he'd worked out in his life was wear sunscreen. For those of us who've got bald heads, that's even more important, isn't it? Wear sunscreen. Other gems in that song were floss. Be kind to your knees. Anyone realising that they should have been kinder to their knees? Yeah, Alan, yeah, very much so. Okay. Don't waste your time on jealousy. There was another phrase. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind, the race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. There's quite a good piece of advice. And that song is full of advice from a man who's got towards the end of his life, and he's saying, do you know what, if I've learnt anything, I need to pass this on to you. That is the book of Ecclesiastes. Wear sunscreen. It doesn't say that, but it's the same sort of idea. <laughs> So Ecclesiastes is written by an old man looking back and saying to us, don't get to the end of things and ask what was it all about. Ask now. Ask now. And realise what it's not all about, but who it's all about. That's what he says. Many people are surprised to find this book in the Bible because it really questions God. So I want to say to you this morning, the Bible doesn't shy away from asking God difficult questions, and neither should we. Christianity isn't a faith that goes, well, we can't ask that, we can't say this. We ask the questions. Ecclesiastes asks difficult questions. It's thought that it was written by Solomon, although there is some scholars that say maybe not. But actually, it may just be the Hebrew tradition of writing from the perspective of another person, which was quite common. It's part of the wisdom books in the Bible, but they were meant to be taken all together because Ecclesiastes is wisdom gained through experience. Who here has got wiser through experience? Yeah? That's Ecclesiastes. He's saying, I have done this, I have done that, I have been there, I've bought the T-shirt, and actually you need to hear this because actually that didn't work. And that's the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, looking back over his life and saying, learn from mistakes that I've made. Parents in the room, do we try and help our children avoid the mistakes we've made? Yeah. Does it work? No. Okay. <laughs> we warn them, don't we? We warn them and we say to them, that's wisdom because we've been there. We've seen this. We've done this. And actually, don't go down the same path I've gone down because this will happen. And then sure enough, they start going down the same path and you just go, oh... That's Ecclesiastes. That's wisdom gained from experience. Don't go down a dead end when you can avoid it. Don't go down a road that's dangerous when you can avoid it. Ask and learn now 
from others that have gone ahead and live God-centered, not self-centered. That's the overview of Ecclesiastes. So if you don't want to come through the whole summer, read the book and get the overview. It's not about you, it's about him. It's not about us, it's about God. It's not about self, it's about him-centered. And Ecclesiastes says, don't wait till you're old like me. I've tried this, I've tried that, and believe me, none of them satisfy. So let's read. We're going to just read chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. If you haven't got a Bible, the words should come up on the screen. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 says this. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. That's why they think it's Solomon. Meaningless, meaningless. That's a good start, isn't it? (laughs) Says the teacher. Everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. We won't stop there, don't worry. What do people gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Jolly old start, eh? You're all thinking, right, I'm going to have a break over the summer if it's going to get like this. Honestly, stick with it. Because sometimes we hear that and we just go, I don't want to know, it sounds a bit miserable. But actually, he's saying, that stuff's rubbish. I want to point you to something that I've discovered works. That's what he's saying. The word meaningless, everything is meaningless. Meaningless, or the word that's used, happens 39 times in this book. So he was obviously going through a little bit of a difficult period. He was getting to the end of his life thinking, what is it all about? But actually, the word for meaningless there is the Hebrew word hevel, which is actually translated as smoke or breath, okay? So think about a really cold day, yeah? Or my house in December when I won't put the heating on. And now Chloe's married, sorry, Ros, more jumpers, okay? Because she was the one who moaned the most. You know, you breathe out and you see that breath, don't you? Yeah? And when you were children, you used to love going to see how much you could make, yeah? Just me? Yeah, okay, thank you. That's good. Okay. When I want to talk to you about is that breath. So when it says meaningless, think about that cloud of smoke, that cloud of breath. It's real, isn't it? You can see it. You can see it. It's there. It's tangible. But have you ever tried to grab hold of it? You can't. And that's what this word means. It's like that breath on a cold day. It's there. It's real. Life is real. Life that we're in is genuine. But actually, if you try and grasp hold of something meaningful from it, you can't. Because it goes. And it dissipates. Or have you ever been up in a plane? When you fly above the clouds, yeah? Beautiful. If you've never been on a plane, it's the best bit. Looking out of the windows, you see beautiful blue sky going on forever, unless it's night, in which case it's really dark sky. But underneath you, there's those white fluffy clouds. 
And it looks like you could just lie on them or jump on them and that they would hold your weight. But believe you me, <laughs> they won't. And actually, when you fly down through those clouds, that's actually the most turbulent part, isn't it? When you're in the middle of that cloud, when you're in the middle of that thing that looks solid but isn't, that's where everything gets rocky. And I think that's what Ecclesiastes, before they knew about planes, was summing up. Actually, life is like cloud. It's like smoke. It's like breath. And in the middle of it, it might feel very turbulent. It might feel very rocky. And it is real. But it's not the ultimate real. It's not the ultimate real of what God made it all about. The idea of this word, this word is that everything is smoke. It's there, but you can't grab hold of it. And in the middle of this real life, things can get bumpy. The main theme that keeps coming through this book is that everything is meaningless if not related to God. Everything is smoke if actually you don't think about eternity. If you don't think beyond this life, everything is breath. A little bit like Ramin's rope illustration. That tiny bit was life. But eternity stretches on and on and on. This life is like breath. It's real, but gone too quickly. The teacher says, generations come and go. The sun rises and sets. The wind blows in all directions. The streams flow to the sea, but it's never full. Does that sound like life? Actually, the streams keep going and the sea never fills up. It just goes back to the start again. I think a lot of us could relate to this book of Ecclesiastes. doesn't matter sometimes how hard we try, we still end up back at the beginning again. Or it doesn't matter how things are good, there's always that dark cloud on the horizon. Because this life is just smoke, it's just breath. Tangible, it's real. Do you know, he also says, what's been will be again. There is nothing new under the sun. Charlotte Bronte, you've heard of Charlotte Bronte? Yeah, when did she live? I should have researched this. When, sorry? She was in Yorkshire. Yeah, when did she live? A couple of, about 150 years ago? The 18th century? 19th century? Right, okay. Anyway, we're talking a long time after the Bible, yeah? So this is a quote from Charlotte Bronte. She said this, Life is so constructed that the event does not, cannot and will not match the expectation. That's a bit bleak, isn't it? But that's what she says, that actually life is made so that the expectation just can't be matched. She's saying life is like smoke. There's nothing new under the sun. Ryan Reynolds, there's a little bit more of a modern reference. Ryan Reynolds, the owner of Wrexham and the Hollywood actor. You're shaking your head. Ryan Reynolds, he's, a good, he's good. Okay, anyway, carrying on. <laughs> he said this. When you have expectations, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. He's got it all according to this world. He's got fame, riches, he's got a good marriage, he owns Wrexham Football Club, he's got him promoted. But he says, when you have expectations, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So even in 100, 200 years, we've seen other people come up with the same stuff. Life is like smoke. It's like breath. If we just focus on this life, then actually... We're going to be disappointed. We're going to be disappointed. And actually, the teacher here has written thousands of years before, there is nothing new under the sun. He asks the right questions, or he's asked the right questions, but he constantly comes up with the wrong answers. 
He pursues different areas of life. Wisdom, riches, wealth, pleasure, power, legacy. Are those the things that the world says that's what we should go after? If you went outside these doors, how many people last night probably bought a lottery ticket? Loads. Because they want that wealth. How many people are striving to go to university and school and all those things? Really good things. But actually, are they going to make us happy? Are they going to satisfy? Because actually when we've got one thing, we're going to go after another and another and another and another. Once we've got a degree, we might want a master's. Once we've got a master's, we want a doctorate. Once we've got a doctorate, we're too, too brainy to be employed. But anyway. <laughs> Jim Carrey. You know him, don't you? Jim Carrey. All righty. Okay. Jim Carrey famously said this. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Wow. What's he saying? He's saying what the Bible said thousands of years ago. This life is like breath. It's like smoke. It's real. But we can't grab hold of it because it's not there long enough. And actually, that is what the Bible is turning us towards. Marilyn Monroe died at 36, possibly suicide. Frank Sinatra, he did it his way, but suffered with depression and attempted suicide twice. So his way obviously didn't work either. Abraham Lincoln wrote at the age 32, I am now the most miserable man living. <laughs> and his law partner testified to him always being sad and melancholy. All of those people I've mentioned are well known. They had fame, they had power, they had legacy. They are known. And yet, they searched, pursued wisdom, wealth, power, legacy and pleasure. But it didn't answer their issues. It didn't have the answers they were looking for. That's why we're looking at this book, because even now in this day and age, I think there's more and more people dissatisfied. I think there's more and more people with expectations that are disappointed. I think there's more and more people who hunger and strive after all of those things, and when they get them, they just want the next thing. Do you know, Jesus promised water, living water that would never run dry. Jesus promised life to the full. Jesus promised that he came to set us free. And yet many of us will turn our backs on Jesus to hunger after those things that aren't the answer. They're just smoke. They're just breath. Nothing is new under the sun. Would you agree? The same things are happening now that are happening in his time unachievable. However much you get, there's always more. In the end, you die, so what's the point? <laughs> there was a book uh, that written by John Ortberg. I hate to mention books because Faye goes and immediately buys them. So um, it's called every, uh, what is it called? When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And the whole thing is, it doesn't matter what we do now, what matters is eternal. What matters is what's next. What matters is, if God is the God we say he is, then we need to focus on him and not us. We need to look towards him and say, God, why? God, how? And we need to ask him the questions. He's big enough to take them. Do you know, self-fulfillment will not satisfy. This book talks about fear of the Lord and wisdom of God are worthy pursuits. So, as we come towards the end, that was a long introduction don't worry, I've not quite finished. I'm just giving you hope, as I say. 
There are two wrong limits. As we look at these first 11 verses of this old man who's looking back and saying, don't wear sunscreen. No, that's the song. He's looking back and saying, I've done this. I've pursued wisdom. If it is Solomon that's writing, Solomon had hundreds of horses. He had hundreds of stables. He had thousands of, of, of gold and rubies. He had loads of all the stuff that we search through our lives to acquire. But there's two wrong limits to the perspective of the teacher. The first one is limit of space. Where does he look? Now, anyone here get accused of having a boy look? It's very sexist. Anyone ever been accused of having a boy look? Is it just our house? Oh, thanks, Tim. Tim, you with me there? Do you get accused of having a boy look? Sorry? You're guilty of it. So is that because Isabella said, don't bring me into this? Okay. <laughs> a boy look, for those who know, in our house is when someone's told to go look for something and they can't find it. Okay? And then actually they go back and it's exactly where they were told to look. Okay? So a boy look, yeah, everybody's going, oh yeah, now, so now we're going to get a really sexist response in church. We're going to have all these wives or, or mums or, or sisters going, oh, have you just had a boy look? Okay. We, I, don't, I obviously don't do it because I'm a man. I have a man look, which is very different. But actually a boy look is where, you know, <laughs> it's where you look. I have bought Ros a device for her birthday called a tile. Brilliant. Okay. It's on a key ring. Because she's always losing the keys, right? So she has an app on her phone now. And you press, I could have tried it, couldn't I? You press the thing on the phone. And if you're in the same vicinity, or if somebody's in the same vicinity as this little key ring, it plays a tune as you can find the keys. Genius. But not only that, if she's got a keys and she can't find a phone, she double taps on the tile. And even if her phone's on silent, her phone rings. What we do if she loses both, I don't know. I really don't know. It's not working. It is. Oh, well, it's probably because you do. Anyway, you're watching a video. That's why. You should be listening to me. But wherever those keys are, that's my wife, by the way, for anyone who's visiting. Wherever those keys are and wherever her phone is, they are only ever going to be, I don't want to know, they are ever gonna, they're only ever going to be on eye level, yeah? They're only ever going to be in that realm of space, aren't they? They're never going to be somewhere off this planet, unless she's got made friends with Jeff Bezos and he's got up in his Amazon rocket. But those keys are somewhere at eye level. They are somewhere under the sun, would you agree? They are visible. They are present. They are not unfindable. And the problem, the first problem the man who wrote Ecclesiastes has is he's only looking in the wrong place. He says this, he's looked at everything under the sun. If it's under the sun, it's only what's observable here. If it's under the sun, it's only what's available to us to see on planet Earth right, right now, like Rosie's Keys. Limiting your search to the space you can see means you're always going to get the wrong answer. Would you agree? Limiting your search to just what you know is always likely to bring the wrong answer. I'm going to look for meaning in life under the sun. Everything at eye level that you can see, have seen or will see. Living under the sun, looking under the sun, doing anything under the sun. Do you know, you'll fail to find purpose in life. You'll fail to find what it's all about. Because God is outside of that space. He's here, 
He's present. But God lives in heavenly places. He's outside of space. This life is real. It's tangible. It's visible. Just like that breath on a cold day or smoke or clouds. But this life in itself will not bring us identity or purpose because we've got to look beyond under the sun. We have to raise our eyes to the heavens. We have to raise our eyes to the heavens. So the first problem he has is all he does is looks under the sun. Maybe that's our problem this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've come and you thought, actually, I'm not really that interested. But maybe you've only ever looked under the sun. And actually, we need to look to the sun that is Jesus. So the first problem is space. The second limit is on time. He says, I've searched under the sun for everything. But then he also says, as long as I live, while I live. If you're limiting your search to time, then actually God is outside of time. Those two limits prevent him from ever coming up with the right answers. This book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is saying loud and clear, and God wanted it in the Bible, that if you are a secular person, if you are a humanist, for example, a lot of people are humanists, if you're bounded in time and space by what you can observe and by how long you live, you can only come at the end of the day to one conclusion. That conclusion is this, that life is useless. And if you're honest with yourself at the end of the day, you'll say it's been pretty pointless and a bit of a waste of time. This is the ultimate humanist argument, that there is no answer and that there is no point. Many people outside of this building, in our towns, in our country, across the world will say, I'm just going to live life. The Humanist Society put adverts on buses in London, if you remember this from quite a few years ago. The adverts said this, there is probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy life. Let me ask you a question. Does that work? Being told to stop worrying and enjoy life, do you think that works? Does that bring answers? Does that bring comfort? Does that bring satisfaction? No. It does exactly what he's done here. It limits us to looking under the sun and just as long as we live. And surely that statement makes things even more pointless. Those of you, anyone go to see the film Jesus Revolution this week? Yeah. It was a, the true story of Lonnie Frisbee, what a name, and uh, a couple of other guys. That was the one I remembered. But one of the things that I was fascinated with was this church was a little bit reluctant to allow the hippies in, Okay. They were very much suit and tie brigade and got to do things proper. And actually, one of the things this Lonnie Frisbee said was, he said, but we've been looking for answers in all the wrong places. He said, the reason these kids are doing drugs and searching through alcohol and getting drunk and getting stoned is because they're looking for something spiritual. But that high only lasts a brief time. He says, they're actually looking for God, but they're looking in the wrong places. Maybe that is us today, that we've been looking for God but we've not looked in the right places. Do you know, God is found in his son, Jesus. Jesus said, if you see me, if you know me, you know the Father. That's what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Jesus revolution happened because one church went, yeah, this is a place where people can belong. And it's a place where we want people to search for the God who isn't just under the sun and just isn't in my lifetime, but he's outside of all of that. 
Do you know, we need to go through Ecclesiastes in order to find Christ. The writer gives himself a name, which is Quaheleth, which means the teacher, it's translated, or philosopher. It actually means, I like to know. Who likes to know? Yeah? Or maybe this is a good book for you to wrestle with. But we can't just know it under the sun and in our lifetime. We have to look to the sun. He wants answers. He asks three questions, if you like. He's old and he speaks from someone who's seen it all. He's educated and wealthy. He's got brains. He's observant and godly. Have you ever heard this phrase, and we're coming into land now? I hope to leave the world a little better than I found it. I hope to leave something for those who come after me. You heard that? Heard that said? That is the hope that keeps many people going. It's all going off this morning, isn't it? <laughs> that is the hope that keeps many people going. They know when they get to the end of the road, they will have nothing to take from this world. So their hope is that they can leave something. Naked they came into it, naked they go out. So they hope they'll leave something. Do you know, this book says everything just goes around in circles. Everything goes around in a circle. Right now, we are moving at 19 miles a second. And we aren't even aware of it. Would you agree? You don't know, do you? You just think I'm guessing. You are moving right now at 19 miles a second, unless you're a flat earther and you're going to have to correct me. <laughs> you are moving through space at 19 miles per second. Just think about that. Are you aware of it? So maybe there's a lot of things in life we're not aware of. Maybe we're not even aware of the work that God is doing through us and in us, and yet we've written him off. I read as well this week that when the people of London drink water, they are drinking water that has already been drunk five times by five other people further up the Thames. And that river keeps rolling just the same. In fact, elements of our drinking water contain dinosaur wee. There you go. Let me finish with some verses from Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, answer some of these questions. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Wow. Set your eyes on things above. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new in our lifetime, really. So set our eyes on Christ. Seek the things that are above. We're not living a life that's bounded by birth and death. We are already in eternal life. There's a saying that I remember as I grew up. Somebody said, Christianity and faith isn't about pie in the sky when you die. You can have steak on your plate while you wait. Aw. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? Because then you get main course and dessert. Okay. It's not pie in the sky when you die. It's not. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now. He lives in us. He lives through us. We are already living eternal life that stretches through the grave and cannot be touched by death. That brings meaning. That brings purpose. And every action of mine today and tomorrow is going to count. It is going to matter. It is going to make a difference. 
and it will be remembered by God and by me. Do you know, there's a circle in this passage, the circle of the streams, the circle of the winds, the circle of life. As a Christian, I'm not in the circle anymore. I'm on a line. I'm on a line that goes from here straight through eternity. I'm not going round and round in meaningless circles. I am now in a line that stretches into eternity with Jesus. What do we learn from this passage? That the guy has lived and says nothing works. What do we learn from celebrities? That they've lived and it doesn't work. What do we learn from the past writers? That they've lived and it doesn't work. Apart from if we lift our eyes beyond the sun and beyond our lifetime. So why not start this series today? by acknowledging we need Jesus. That life has meaning because he lives. That life has meaning because death is not the end. That life has meaning and realise that all our work and ambition would mean nothing in the end unless we have Jesus at the centre with us. My challenge to each one of us, whether we're Christians, whether we're not, whether we've come for the first or the millionth time, is are we living for now? Are we living under the sun? Or are we going to hide our lives in Christ and look above? If you don't know what it's all about, we do have some cards that the prayer team could give you that have four points on them that just say, we've made mistakes. God loves us, Jesus died for us, and then a question mark that says, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to choose? So I'm going to invite the band up, and I'm going to pray. Our prayer team will be at the back. If there's anything that's been said today that you want to ask questions, or if you just want someone to pray with you, maybe you want to go to them and say, I still don't get it, but I just want someone to pray for me. Maybe you've got a sickness, maybe you've got a situation going on, maybe like this teacher, you're just saying, I just don't know what it's all about anymore. Go to stand with our prayer team and they'll just pray over you. They'll speak, speak over you. Hopefully words of encouragement and words of blessing. But also, hopefully, words that they'll hear from God that they can say, I think God is saying this. If you don't know what it's all about, join the club. But I know who it's all about. And that is Jesus. If you want that certainty today, don't waste another second. Thanks, Nick. Let's, let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we come into this time now, as we come towards the end of our service, I pray, Lord, that you will speak into our hearts and lives. Help us to see that it's not about just the life under the sun that we live, but that, God, you have a future and a hope that is certain You have a a, a life stretching out before us into eternity with Jesus. And Father, we thank you that Jesus came and gave himself willingly for us. So Father God, I pray this morning that anybody who has slightly heard something of you, I pray, Lord, that they will not hesitate, but that they will say, yeah, I know I need a saviour. I need my life to have meaning. And that meaning comes through Jesus. In your name, amen.